0: Welcome to The New Era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web3 The New Era. Today we are interviewing Low Key Galactic, the founder of SoulSpot, which is building a social platform to display a person's online activity within the Solana blockchain, showing who you are, what projects you're involved in, and any other details the user decides to help build trust and transparency in a space where it's really lacking. Listen in to hear Loki talk about how SoulSpot is filling the gap of social presence in Web3, how they plan to turn blockchain data into something that is meaningful, valuable, and makes sense to anyone, regardless of their technical knowledge, how SoulSpot is differentiating themselves from traditional social media platforms, and his passion in the underlying potential of NFT technology and how that can change the world in the long run. With all of that said, let's get into the interview all right and we are live so today we have loki galactic with us the founder of soul spot Um, he also goes by loki not to be confused with loki god of mischief from the marvel series but i'll pass it over to you loki to tell us a little bit more about yourself
1: yeah thanks for having me pretty appreciative this is my first podcast so bear with me but yeah, I'm excited to chat with you guys. So yeah, first I'll start a little bit about me. I've been a developer and a designer for a number of years, but in my free time, I've just really enjoyed tinkering and, and just building fun things that you know people might like to use. And so with Web3, what's unique about it is that it gives the chance for really anybody to come out here, pitch their vision, and then for anyone to kind of hop on and kind of agree with it, input their own ideas, and kind of mold it into something that more people might be interested in using. And so really in my eyes, I see Web3 as just this giant Wild West arena where people can pitch their vision and some will die by the fire or you know, others will kind of come through and succeed. And so I've been in the space since a little bit after Solano's like, NFT revolution, but I didn't really start minting until I want to say Super Shadowy Cutter was the first one. I actually went in and, and used my own money to buy. Ever since then, I've just been buying NFTs, checking out other projects, kind of getting involved in the space. Yeah, I really just love the space and I'm excited to see where it goes. So that kind of brought me towards SoulSpot and you know, coming up with an idea that I felt that was you know lacking, right? And so Solana is very social by nature with all of these communities, but there isn't really any social infrastructure in place. And that got me thinking about how I could, you know, contribute my skills, both design and development to improve the space. And that's really what it's all about, about people coming together, putting their skills in the pool and coming out with a better product. So that's a little bit about me and kind of how I got to where I am now with SoulSpot.
0: Mm. You know, you have experience with development and designing. What kind of got you to this spot where you were like, okay, I'm actually gonna start incorporating some business fundamentals and create a, you know, a startup out of this. Like from having that sort of technical background and expertise to also needing to know some aspect of business. Like, do you have other people on your team who have more expertise on that side of the house or what does that kind of look like?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And so for me, I've always known that I love innovating or you know, creating something, right? and coming up with new ways to accomplish it. And so like, I love design and I love developing and, you know, creating in those, those means, but it's not something that I am, you know, an expert in, right? And so that brings me to my team, right? And so we brought on, there's four of us right now, four founders and our CTO has, we actually pulled him from the community. He's fantastic and he's helping with the tech side and I still do you know all the front end stuff and we'll hire on more to continue to scale but as a startup we're just really trying to minimize our costs and you know how to longer burn rate but really like as you said I really don't want to waste my time doing all of these things when I can build a team that you know has members who are much better at certain things than I am and so I I've, I've taken more of a and I would love to take even more the overarching, more direction, more business side, and I can step back and let other people do it better than I can. Whereas I can focus on the vision, focus on executing and getting to certain points so we can actually have a product that people love.
2: It's a really interesting point. What you're kind of describing right now is like how startup founders end up moving out of the- the innovation itself and more so driving the innovation and driving the direction and kind of being at the forefront of scaling your product. Is that kind of what you're talking about here? Like how can you scale most effectively with dev talent and your direction? Yeah, and exactly.
1: And that's really kind of how startups operate where the core founders usually wear multiple hats, right? You know, they'll juggle different roles and responsibilities. And as you scale, you'll fill in these roles and your organization expands. And, you know, for me, I love to build. I love, I, I do enjoy building these applications, but I know that I can spend my time elsewhere. And I also know that I'm not the best at building these complicated front ends and applications. But in the early stages, I can do a lot to get to where we need to be. And so, like, as you said, as we scale, it's important that I step back and really hone in on the direction and focus on that and let other people do something better than I can.
0: Mm, That's such a good point. That's one of the reasons why I admire the Web3 space so much is that it's not necessarily easy to find talent, you know, to create a team to execute a vision. And that is, you know, one of the, the core challenges that I think quite a few projects nowadays are trying to fix. including yours, almost that sort of social aspect of getting people together in one place and creating identity and trust where, you know, it might be lacking. But although it's not easy to find the Web3 space makes that type of collaboration. Once you do find those people, much more easy collaboration across the globe. And I'm not sure how that ties back to you and your team. Like you mentioned, you have four founders, but do you all know each other in real life? Or is this kind of a situation where you met each other through the Web3 space? And you know, you originally pitched the idea?
1: Yeah, that's actually really interesting. So it started and it was just me and so we actually, still spot, the first thing that we did was that we entered into the, the Solana Riptide hackathon back in March, and that was great. But that was just me. And then as I continued to think about the vision, think about where I wanted it to go, I eventually added in one of my closest actually in real life friends, and he does a lot of the community and some of the marketing. But what's interesting is our other two founders, one of them I worked with on another project, and it didn't work out the project but i you know have a good friend there and he was a perfect fit and he just he he lives and breathes this space and it was just you know very obvious that he would be you know a great fit on the team and then our last member who is our cto it's it's actually funny he was actually a part of the community just before we minted back in may is when he joined up but then kind of like a Couple weeks after we were talking, and he was pretty involved, and we ended up bringing him onto the team. But then I recently flew out, and I've moved to a new country. And when I arrived, this random dude who I met on the internet, and you know, brought him onto the team, he picked me up from the airport. I met him for the day, and then I moved and traveled to the next city. And so it's interesting that you know all of these people around the globe, two of which I haven't you know personally met, or I guess one now. It's interesting how Web3 brings all of these people together and, you know, I've never met anyone in person who I met or like, you know, met online until this time, which is, it's crazy to think about, but it's really awesome how Web3 has brought these people together and I have, you know, friends now and, and team members who, you know, I'm pretty close with who I, a a year before, had I not gotten into Web3, I would have no idea existed.
2: Dude. 100%. And what's even more fascinating to me is how you can build these relationships with people, with your teammates, trying to build something pretty incredible. And you can kind of create that amount of trust and Reputation building completely over the internet because you guys have similar interests and because you guys have worked so long together to build a great product. So, can you tell me a little bit more about your project, Soulspot? I mean, we'll get into specifics about what you're building, but like at a high level, what do you guys do? What gap do you fill in the market and how are you adding value to your consumers?
1: Yeah, so at a high level, Soulspot really is focusing on giving, you know, an identity, a pseudo anonymous identity to an individual that as of right now is just either a wallet address or a sole domain name, right? The gap that we're filling is this lack of presence, this lack of social presence. And we're giving individuals the tools to aggregate their on-chain data, their data from other platforms that are like Twitter or Discord or maybe LinkedIn and giving it a place, like one unified place that represents them. You know, a lot of other companies have done this, right? Like this is essentially Facebook's model, right? So you create your account and it's your digital you. And what we're doing uniquely is that we're tying it directly into the Solana blockchain. And what that means is that we're trying to derive insightful information from your actual activity. And whether that means you interact with DAOs or maybe you got an awesome digital asset from some to and game. And we're trying to humanize that experience and and make a unified profile that kind of represents all that you do in this space. Yeah. And that's the best way I can describe at a high level what we're doing.
2: Interesting. How are you deciding what information shows up on someone's feed, for example? Like if I just get a, I don't know, official Solana NFT mint and it takes me to some scam link, that's not going to be activity that shows up, right?
1: No. And so we're really trying to focus on not having... It be about what you buy and what you sell. Because personally, I like this space, but it's very early and it's very much for a lot of people about buying and selling and making money. And like, I totally understand that. Like, I get it. But that's not what we're focusing on what we really want to focus on is the community and the higher level interactions individuals can have with stuff that people build. So instead of identifying when someone buys and when someone sells something or potentially trading might make more sense, but a better example would be like, let's say you transcend a D God into a dead God, right? That's more exciting. That's more you know, relevant. Like that's a big deal, right? But me just getting sent some spam mail, like a, you don't want that shown on your profile, and B, no one cares. Right. And so it's really about balancing and, and finding what on chain activities that we can identify make sense and would want to be shared on their profile.
2: Interesting. Something that comes to mind for me is like, say, I'm playing in the Soul Army ecosystem and they have their GV token, and I use that token to do like a. Do you know that Foxy? tool thingy where it's like you could do like a 50 50 coin flip using like different tokens like different like gv for example have you heard of that
1: i haven't used theirs but i mean they have the dgen coin flip too right
2: right right exactly so i'm wondering like instead of tracking my buys and sells of gv as an asset maybe looking at how i'm using the gv and how i'm playing with the soul army little ecosystem little game that they've created right maybe i'm playing in raffles maybe i'm I don't know, minting recruit tokens or using that 50 50 coin flip game. Like, I guess I'm trying to ask, like, would you be open to considering, like, categorizing activities within an ecosystem within these little niche eco, like the D gods? Like, they're buying dust to accumulate dubbies or, like, a million things that you could do with that. Do you see what I'm getting at?
1: Yeah. So, a lot of these different areas, these, you know, subcategories of activity, if you will, they're very, niche, right? And so the way that we'd identify it is we'd have to work with those for most of them probably. We could identify when, you know, a dead god was created and transcended, right? That's not super hard to decipher from the on-chain activity. But the more niche ones that like you said with this flipping of the coin or flipping right for a 50/50 chance. That is interesting and you we would just kind of have to work with them and see what is valuable. Like what is something that we could decipher and pull from that that is actually interesting. Maybe it's like the total sum of like, oh, hey, they did this 10 times in the last day, right? Yeah. Or maybe they lost, well, I mean, you don't really want to, well, I guess it depends on the person, but maybe they lost like $400 because they were just gambling it away. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it really just depends. And this is one of those things that, you know, having a community to bounce ideas off of is valuable, right? And to see what people find, you know interesting and valuable that they'd want to actually show on their their profile right
0: yeah no that totally makes sense and one of the things that i really like about what you guys are doing is that you're not just extracting data from the blockchain and plopping that data onto a page and telling people to figure it out you are taking that data like and like you just explained distilling insights so that you can actually display it in such a way that provides value to the end user without them having to do much interpretation themselves. With that, can you talk a little bit about how you plan to achieve that? Like, do you guys have data analysts in the back end who are interpreting this data as it comes in and coming up with relevant insights to display?
1: Yeah. So we're kind of approaching it in many ways, at least the overall application, right? And so I'll break down what the profiles consist of, right? And so really what we're doing is we're giving people the ability to create their identity through the customization and, you know, creation of these profiles. These profiles are really focusing on three distinct facets, right? So there's what we call the widgets page. And this is, you know, the most important part that we're focusing on first. Like this is what we really want to nail down on our first launch. It's composed of obviously different widgets, And the user can select which widgets they would like to show about themselves. And, you know, example widgets might be um, a widget showcasing the most recent tweets or just about their profile or maybe some projects that they really love the most and like they want to highlight it. Maybe they want to highlight one or two of their NFTs. The list goes on about potential little snippets of what their identity is and they can choose which of those they want to utilize and showcase. And then the second part is with all of these wallets and identities, the really the core part that many people focus on and it is very important is like what assets, what NFTs this person owns. And obviously, you know, you showcase that, that's important. A lot of people like to flex that because really, you know, the main thing is people are flexing kind of what they own but we want to bring it to a higher level. And then the third part that is what we talked about earlier is the feed of activity. So for that, really what it is, is when you have this collection of wallets, and that's one of the other challenges too, is is when people have multiple wallets and it's not all about just one, because generally if you're you know a smart individual in Web3, because it's very dangerous and you can lose all of your money, assets, everything, you're gonna have a cold wallet, you're gonna have a hot wallet, a burner wallet, you're gonna have multiple wallets. And so we, A, you know, let all of the wallets be connected and linked together and then B, you know, you analyze the transactions between them. And, you know, sending money back and forth between wallets doesn't really matter. It's not really insightful or relevant. But then on the back end, what you do is you analyze the transactions and kind of see where they're being run through, like which on-chain programs are being interacted with. And at a very basic level, you can just match what accounts are being interacted with on-chain and then you know match it to something that we understand to be happening and then reading the instructions of the transaction. It isn't easy, but it's all on-chain, at least what we'll be pulling from. And it's there to be read, right? And then it's on us to read the transaction, identify if it's relevant, something that we want to target and have already, you know, built out code to identify and then, you know, extract the information from it and then pull it to the profile. It's not easy by any means. And we're still in the early stages of it. And that's and one of the big things is working with projects, working with businesses that do a lot of other interactions and, and they have a lot of programs that are directly on chain and working with them to you know understand what their code does what their programs are intended for and then you know identifying it and then utilizing it
2: so it seems to me you're giving users kind of the ability to choose what they want and don't want to display on their profile and I mean, with that said, every Solana address is searchable and has a default SoulSpot profile, even if it hasn't been customized by the owner. So is it possible to hide your data on your profile if you don't want your info kind of consolidated and displayed for easy access? Or is there a certain info that's always going to be displayed on your profile kind of no matter what?
1: You're right. So for the profiles, for the most default, it's essentially a dictionary. So you can search up any wallet address on chain whether or not they've made an account. And at the very least, you know, we'll only have data attached to that one wallet, at least as of now. Uh, I know other projects are working on identifying analytically most likely connected wallets, such as like cold to hot to burner. But we'll just be, you know, purely going off of one-to-one wallets. And then as a dictionary works, you can then, you know, search it up and then, They will have the default widgets and you can see the assets and potentially any feed that's generated. And in this case, you know, they haven't made a profile and they haven't chosen what is and what is not shown. And so we'll have a default set of widgets that would make sense. We'll check if their wallet has maybe their Twitter located or connected to it directly on chain, maybe a domain and, you know, whatever else we can connect in and showcase. But then as you said, when users create an account, then it's all about showing what the user wants to show. And it is important. So with the widgets themselves, what they can do is choose what order they all come together and which widgets are actually showcased. Meaning you can hide specific things that you don't want shown, so that way no one can see it. Our goal is to enable people with a pseudo anonymous identity to create that identity but still have control and consent over what they are showing and what they are not showing.
2: 100%. Now, that makes a ton of sense. Can you actually talk through some of the widgets or toggles that users can kind of customize and display their profile with? Maybe like aesthetics or the way the data is actually displayed, etc.
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, some of the more basic widgets would be, you know, you have the ability to connect your Twitter, And so we can showcase your most recent tweets. Another widget tied to Twitter would be showcasing just, you know, a general snippet of your profile, meaning your bio, your profile, your followers, blah, blah, blah. Additionally, one of the big things that we'd love to do is essentially a bullish slash bearish widget where people can choose what projects, you know, they're bullish on, or maybe they're bearish on. Right. And so those would be two separate widgets about, you know, expressing like, kind of where their minds, you know, thinking like who they think is going to succeed. And then the other thing too is kind of tied to it, but a little different is, you know, projects that people identify with the most or that they're the most tied to, they can select which of those projects to highlight. And we'd also like to connect it to a business side of it as well, because we'd love to do project profiles as well. And that's something that we're exploring, but it would tie directly into that where, you know, it's LinkedIn and then you can go check out that profile directly. Additionally, other widgets might be I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't have the list pulled up. Um, obviously, a portfolio widget based on your, your tokens that you hold. Um, an NFT highlight. And we have more, but I, I can't remember them off the top of my head. Yeah, and, and we have actually more suggestions from our community. And that's another cool thing about having, you know, a community of people who are interested in what you're doing is that they come up with ideas too. And so you're leveraging not only just the team's, you know, perspective and diversity of thought, but also, you know, just a a larger pool of individuals who are caring about the direction of it and, you know, care to contribute their own ideas too.
0: Very cool. I think earlier before we started the podcast, you started talking a little bit about the fundamental value of self-expression. And when you distill down, you know, your main goal with SoulSpot is to create a place to build your own you and to showcase that to everybody who wants to see it. And, you know, this type of stuff already exists in web too, right? Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, those are all examples Of building an online presence in an online profile that displays who you are as a person and the different facets of you, because each of those platforms obviously have different types of content that um, are typically posted there, but Twitter being the primary platform when it comes to crypto and and NFTs. I guess, what does self-expression mean to you and why do you think it's so important to create a space where people can express themselves in Web3?
1: With self-expression, it really comes down to, you know, enabling people to figure out and showcase who they want to be. And so the cool thing about, you know, the digital world, you know, you don't have to be directly tied to who you are in the real life, right? And so, you know, you look at video games and other online worlds, right? And you can be anything you want. And it's all tied to your avatar. It's all tied to what you personally submit and you can become whoever you want. And so the cool thing about Web3 is that, you know, it's, it's all encompassing, right? And so it's all on-chain. It's all just even the greater digital internet. It's all accessible and there's not any really good way to tie it together. And so with self-expression and, and identity, the cool thing is is that you can ideally do whatever you want. Right, and you can be whoever you want to be, whether or not that's doxed or anonymous. um, It's really up to you. And so, kind of the way we really want to approach this is enabling people to be who they want to be, and that means being as flexible as possible, and you know, really understanding what people want and then delivering it. So for us, that means having a lot of widgets that are customizable, the ability to customize their page, so it actually. You know, it feels branded, it feels unique to them. And just figuring out ways to make it unique is really the bottom line unique, but cohesive to the entire platform. And so that's really what we've set out to do and make it a cohesive and, you know, ubiquitous experience.
2: So I guess what SoulSpot's trying to solve is the opportunity for people to express themselves and their digital identities via their wallets, right? the one thing that comes to mind for me over and over is like, what's the access of the soul spot card? Because in my mind, when you think I want to share who I am, I want people to see what I'm sharing. So how do I know that there's eyes on SoulSpot and that it's worth kind of spending time in your social media sort of ecosystem? Does that make sense? Like, I'm curious about the onboarding part. And if you could clarify, like if the SoulSpot card is like a paywall or what additional value added that is that doesn't restrict mass onboarding.
1: Yeah, that's a good question and very important. So the NFT itself is called the Spot card, as you said for anyone who might not be aware of what it is and it's twofold a it's essentially can be seen as the premium tier to a freemium application and as you mentioned with a social application a you don't want to pay wall users like people need to be able to access it so that way the network effects can you know do their job and allow people to actually get value from it because if people have to pay they're not going to use it that's just kind of how it is with any social platform it's going to be free so people actually go because that's the most valuable thing are the actual people using it if no one's using the platform it doesn't it's just not as valuable that's just that's the way social networks function um, and so for us the soulspot nft is the premium tier right and so what will allow those individuals who hold it they will have unique widgets unique customizations it's really about just adding further you know, ways to express themselves that are still, you know, allowing of anyone to come in and do, you know, like the very core base values. Right. And so there'll still be widgets. There'll still be the ability to customize everything, but there's just a greater amount of things that they can do with the premium tier on the other side too, what we're trying to really make this spot card do is it is your digital ID. Right. And so what we'd love to have it you know take the form of is the ability for people to use the card that represents it in ways that are more unique and what that might mean is that they can take the card and automatically through our platform upload it into you know Google Wallet or Apple Pay and you know it's it's uploaded and you can share it and you know, people can scan it at a networking event in person, and boom, they have access to your uh, your profile directly on the application, right? And so, the spot card isn't about paywalling and keeping people out. It's about letting more people access your your profile in a unique way, and further being able to you know condense your profile, condense your your Solana ideal, like your Solana persona, into a little card that sits on an NFT.
2: That makes a lot of sense. So when I think social media, I'm thinking it's like a vessel to express who you are. So like TikTok can be a social media account, right? Where I post my TikToks, I post my thoughts, I record whatever the hell I want on there. And basically that's my means of expression, right? And like Instagram, you can post the pictures and do your captions. You can connect with your other friends on there. So as a social platform, so to speak, I'm curious if there's plans to add features that align with some of the traditional social media platforms at the moment, like DMing, adding friends, posting what's on your mind, like Twitter, like a timeline to scroll through kind of user-relevant content. Uh, so I guess I'm wondering like, what your plans are, if you have it, or if that's the direction that you want to go to align with some of those typical social media platforms. Like, do you want to build your own version of Twitter or like a DMing service that is primarily using these wallet addresses or yeah, I guess I'm just curious where you guys stand on that.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's definitely an important thing to think about for us. The core thing that we're really focusing on in the start for sure is the identity, right? And so what we want to enable people to do is allow them to share it essentially a way for people to trust them in anonymous space, Right. And whether that means connecting, you know, what we call authenticators, which would be, you know, your Twitter, uh, Discord, LinkedIn, or Instagram, or any other social medias that you'd like to include if you want to, that make you more trustworthy. And that's what we're focusing on in the beginning. But, you know, as we want to continue to scale and grow, I mean, I guess it really depends on how we want to approach it. So A, one of our inspirations and things that we'd like to replace in this space is, is Linktree. And that's more of a, a funnel per se, right? So people can go to the, the profile, the page and get information about X. Alternatively, we're also taking inspiration from Instagram and that's more of a, you know, self-contained application where people go there and they engage and they stay there for long periods of time, which is completely different than what Linktree is doing. And so we're starting with the more independent and you know dictionary lookup approach, but you know you're right ideally we are exploring ways to create a self-contained you know platform where people do want to engage who do want to explore and find other profiles other or i guess identities individuals and whether that looks like you know a mix of activity on chain or or posts or or photographs like instagram we're not exactly sure which way makes the most sense because to tackle, you know, Twitter now, that's it doesn't really necessarily make sense as of our current position because Twitter is so dominant and it, it just is where everyone is at. So for us to try to create an alternative to it, it's just not our best decision to do in the current time. So we're not exactly sure what direction we'll take at that point, but we still have more work to do on just creating the identities and allowing people to to build it because really what we're doing is a lot. It, it'll start as a funnel, just like Linktree where people can compose their profiles, customize it, and then also direct people to their other platforms. There are links like Twitter or Instagram or their YouTube or, or Spotify or whatever. Right. So it, it really just depends. And you know, that's kind of the fun thing with web three is that, you know, stuff changes so rapidly. And so at that point we'll be able to pivot and see, you know, maybe there is a need for, You know, a more kind of a like quick and easy, like maybe for like 10 minutes, a post is active, right? And then everyone sees it and then it's gone, right? That's more unique. Maybe that would succeed in a space like this. But just creating a clone of Twitter, it it might not fare as well, just because why would I use, you know, SoulSpot's cloned Twitter when I could just use Twitter where everyone's already at. So we'll definitely be thinking about it, but we're not exactly sure at that point where we want to go.
0: Mm. No, you make a really good point, you know, providing value in a unique way that's not already popular and accessible is definitely the way to go to keep people's interest. I'm kind of stuck on something you mentioned earlier, like two responses ago, you talked about how SoulSpot, you know, is your digital ID, and you would even, you know, hopefully get to this point where you would allow people to scan your SoulSpot spot QR code or, or digital ID or whatever it might be at a networking event and, you know, boom, all of your information and blockchain identity pops up so that they can automatically get more information on you. And this reminded me of something a couple of months ago, I was at a cocktail making class and... Um, I met somebody who's also an entrepreneur and they were like, hey, you know, we should keep in touch. I'm looking to bring together all the builders in this area. So he taps his phone against my phone and an ID card popped up at the top of my screen, like a notification. And I clicked on that and it had more information about him. It had his picture. It automatically saved his contact to my phone. Is this kind of like what you're trying to achieve? I mean, that would be an incredible way to get in front of web two consumers and even start to support that, you know, onboarding process of people from web two to web three, if it becomes that normalized to the point where you can just tap on somebody's phone and send them your, your soul spot information.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, there's examples like that. And then alternatively there's a lot of, you know, traditional business card approaches where they've embedded NFC chips. And so both of those are actually really cool in in avenues that we would love to explore. We've looked into it a little bit, obviously having it be more digital, that's something that we could much more easily accomplish given our, our software and digital nature. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's all about making it so the barrier for access is not shut down by all of this technical jargon and you know, letting anybody access the information of the profile. So, our goal isn't to create these pages or profiles that consist of information that means nothing to someone who has no idea what blockchain or Web3 is, right? It's all supposed to be insightful and condensed in a way that actually can be comprehended by anyone, regardless of their technical know how, and so. At one point, I mean, yeah, I would absolutely love for that to be the case, where we do develop that future out, and by simply tapping your phone or opening up an app, assumably, or you know, supporting it some way, however they did it, making it so that at a networking event you can just simply tap your phone to someone else's phone, and your information just popping up easily, like that'd be fantastic. And that's exactly what the goal is, right? Is making your information, your identity, portable and expressible to anybody.
2: But yeah, that is really interesting. I love the direction that you're thinking about this. And it got me wondering, like, what inspired you to do this whole thing? How did you figure out there was a need for this kind of social product?
1: Yeah. So as I said, I've been in the space, specifically Solana, since like since last September. Um, But I was just kind of thinking about various ideas, you know, problems in the space that I felt like I could solve. And... This was back in November. The first thing that I I really wanted to contact other wallets in a way that was, you know, not a pain in the butt when there really wasn't any good solution, at least well marketed at that point in time. And so I kind of thought about and and built out some wireframes for a messaging application where, you know, you could just simply send a message uh, via an NFT and have it sent to the, the recipient. There's now messaging platforms. So, you know, eight months later, Foxy Federation, they actually built that, that exact tool a couple months ago that I was thinking of and it works great. But back then in November, as I continued to think about the idea, you know, I, I had these these messaging feeds and, you know, it, it was building up to be like a messaging application. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe one feature could be, you know, a profile to see who your messaging, right? And then as I got to thinking more about it, and as I continued to see the progress in the space, where there was a lot of progress being made on messengers and ways to contact other addresses and wallets. But there was still no way to know who was on the other side of a wallet. Both in, you know, whether or not they've put information out there or not. You just don't know who it is, right? And so Building off and spinning from this profile feature, I was like, well, maybe what if there was a platform where people could, you know, connect their wallet and tie it to their wallet and, you know, all of that data was accessible, right? And people could be who they want to be in, you know, a very portable way, in a very compostable way. And so then from there, I just kept thinking about features and and ways to build out a profile and and a system that would make sense. And then back in in February, uh, Solana announced that they had uh, a hackathon that was, you know, starting up. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. I'm going to build out a prototype very quickly uh, and just see where it goes. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was fun. I didn't win the competition, but, you know, I talked to a lot of people who, you know, believed in what I was building and yeah, here we are.
0: I love to hear origin stories of ideas like this. Like before, I got into the NFT space, I had no exposure to really the the startup, the tech startup community, and that is exactly what the space is, at least from my perspective. So, being able to like speak with founders who are creating super innovative stuff that, like, you know, ninety five percent of the population would never even think of or imagine creating is just I'm just humbled and blessed to be able to like have these conversations with super intelligent people like yourself. And one of the things that I I think about a lot is, you know, as a project team, one of the most important aspects of building trust in this space, given the, you know, decentralization and anonymity being super coveted. You know, one of the biggest things we can do is to share information about ourselves, our previous work experience, what qualifications or credentials we have as a project team, and also our motives and incentives for starting a project. So I think you touched on a little bit, You know, the four founders that you guys have, some coming from tech or business backgrounds, but can you speak a little bit more towards you know why you and your team are doing this and sort of what background experience you have that makes your vision a solid investment
1: yeah and so just in the greater overall space when you interact with people in this you know this ecosystem you know it's obviously going to be a pseudonym right you're not going to know who is on the other side and what we're really trying to do is build trust between two parties that, you know, don't need to know exactly who they are, but can, you know, refine a profile and, and include information that they think is relevant about themselves that might build trust between these two entities. And so to your question, the second part, our team itself, we're really focusing on, you know, enabling that trust between individuals. And with us, you know, I've, I've worked on more of the development and the design side And, you know, I've always loved to build things and, you know, create things that people find useful. But as far as startup experience goes, and I mean, this is my first venture that I've fully gone off in the deep end, and it's just me out here. And I think the biggest thing to take away is that, you know, we're not alone, right? And so reaching out to, you know, individuals and and people in in your city who are affluent and you know, well accustomed to running businesses is honestly one of the biggest things that I've found valuable, right? And, you know, I might be non-docs in the web three space, but going to these in-person events in real life, these conferences or these just little networking events and finding other people in your city who you might have a question and then they can answer it is definitely very valuable. And so while, you know, it's definitely a learning experience, leveraging your network and, building both in real life, right, as well as in the web three and and combining those different networks to solve problems is definitely what we're really focusing on. And so for our team itself, my CTO has had experience with running various digital businesses. And so he's definitely been a fantastic add on to the team where he has insight and a little bit more experience in different areas where I might not. And so now with him on the team, we have an additional perspective that actually contributes in you know, just adds another way for us to think about whether or not this decision we're making might make sense or if it's just, you know, an utterly poor idea and maybe we shouldn't follow it, right? And that's the same with other organizations, right? I know that you and I were both connected through a DMD DAO, right? And so what's cool about organizations like this is that it allows people to, you know, put in your experience, put in your ideas and then get feedback all across the board. And so while I might be lacking in, you know, some specific expertise, right, maybe I can go out and, you know, ask somebody for help who's a Web3 expert in X, right? And so it's all about leveraging your network and, and seeing what you can come up with as a team and as just a, a greater overall ecosystem.
2: Part of the game is information on the founders, what they're doing, and especially post I'm starting to see more evidence and I mean, kind of through Twitter, I don't really do the digging myself, but that like, for example, the Year Yeah Tigers project lead had listed his PFP on Magic Eden, like close to the floor or something, which was pretty funny. But it did get me thinking, like, is it not the case that the conviction that mods and founders have in a project is often reflected by the equity and their stake in the project and how many NFTs that they own of that project? And it made me wonder if you guys had a plan for kind of bringing that visibility to especially a social platform where you guys kind of aggregate all the data for you. So, for example, like maybe I'm looking at the GV Pass or Teo Robotics and I can see how many oils or recruit tokens for example or gb passes that the different moderators the different key players that are involved in building out the project what their positions are and how those things change over time to kind of bring another level of transparency from the top down whether or not they actually have conviction or are trying to dump on exit liquidity
1: yeah i mean like i guess it's interesting if you take a step back from your question aside from SoulSpot, having people on the team with large bags I don't really see it as being tied to conviction. Cause from my point of view as a project founder, I'd rather have, you know, a higher unique holder ratio. So the way we approached it with our mods is, you know, we gave them all just one spot card and then obviously, you know, pay them weekly and, you know, a mint bonus, right? But having the team be larger bag holders as individuals doesn't really make sense to me. At least if our goal is to have as many you know, NFTs in as many hands as possible. But with other projects, like it definitely doesn't make sense to have these mods and these people in positions of power to have like, you know, obviously a lot of them to dump on, you know, the floor post-launch, right? And so bringing back to the second part of your question, enabling transparency, where the profile highlights what distribution it is tied to you know, a mod's wallets or, you know, the core team's wallet or the actual, you know, platform, the, the business wallet per se, and seeing what that distribution looks like. We haven't thought about that, but that would be an interesting way to, you know, further add transparency for the projects
2: themselves. Not 100%. Actually, your point makes a lot of sense too, in that not necessarily every mod is looking to increase their positioning. And maybe that's not the best metric alone, but I've, I think To the end of your response to that, it seemed like there is potentially some level of correlation there, which is interesting. So I'm curious if there's something to be done there.
1: I guess if you look at it from a secondary approach, um, where like maybe mods and, you know, core team buys on secondary. Then I guess in that case, that would be an interesting metric where it's like, okay, they are, you know, bullish per se, right? But on the other hand, you've also seen cases in ETH, right, with um, one of the projects, you know, had a, a collaboration with, you know, a large corporation that was very popular, right, where there was, you know, some outcry when they told people to buy, like, of their inner circle. The Clone X, I think you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, with the yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Nike, where, you know, they told people to buy before it was announced. And, you know, that's not okay. <laughs> So yeah, I I think it would be an interesting metric to watch secondary sales based on the team, depending on, I guess, the situation. So yeah, that's something that we'd love to explore, but that also be on the team itself to, you know, obviously when we do create these project profiles, if they wanted to enable such a feature, they'd have to identify which of the wallets and NFTs were owned by the mods, which were owned by the core team. And then obviously, you know, they'd have to identify... Anyways, regardless, the update authority or, you know, whatever their treasury wallet would be, right?
2: So I'm I'm curious for you, taking this project from an ideation stage, I have an idea, I think this can be cool, to actually building it out, taking that idea from thin air and literally just building that into reality. Can you talk a little bit about that process?
1: Yeah, and obviously anybody can have ideas, but the value of the idea is whether or not it could be executed. And so, you know, for us with the hackathon, we produced really like before alpha, it's not even something that I'm, I mean, like I'm proud of it, how it functions and, you know, it kind of showcases the vision, but at this point in time, two months after mid, it's not, I don't like directing people there. Right. And so we're obviously building in and iterating on it. And we had to just start from scratch because it's fundamentally different. Our first approach to the idea was entirely on chain, but as Sol was going up, I realized, you know, to store all of the data, it would cost at, at the first version, it was like 0.06 Sol. And now with like Sol at 30, it doesn't matter, but with Sol at like uh, 200 at the time, it would in the amount of data that we need to store, um, the cost would just go up. And so we had to, you know, restructure in a way that. You know utilizes more centralized things because at the end of the day we're really trying to solve and deliver value it doesn't necessarily matter especially on soul how you go about it as long as the value is delivered right and so then at that point we decided all right let's break it down and let's build something that is bug-free precise and it, it does what it has to do and it looks fantastic and so you know honestly we really wanted to get it done end of june And we didn't get to do it and we didn't, you know, push to production. It was honestly probably a little overly ambitious. Um, We got kind of bogged down in a few other details with creating some other software that we needed to, you know, customize these these spot cards because that's one of the big things too. But really, it's just all about iterating and continuing to add features to this platform that we're continuing to, you know, build out, right? We are hoping to have it done by the end of the month, but we really would have liked to have it done last month. But that's, I mean, that's just one of those things that, you know, you can try all you want, but we really want to make sure we do it right. And if it just doesn't work and, you know, there's, there's all of these bugs and and there's just no value being delivered. We really want to make sure that, you know, we don't fumble the bag on, you know, the one yard line, right? If we promised all of this stuff, right, all of these, you know, interesting features and, you know. When we finally get to that point where we you know announce it to the public and they can use it and it doesn't do what we want to do and no one finds value with it, then you know it's back to the drawing board. like you're gonna have to iterate again and you've lost trust, and you know we'd rather not do that. So we're really focusing on honing it and making sure it does what it needs to do the first time. And
0: speaking of that process of taking something from ideation to execution, And the fundamentals of starting a business, a business that's so early on in its life cycle, such as a startup, you know, there are a lot of trials and tribulations that come with that, I'm sure, especially if this is, you know, your first sort of startup venture, which I think for many people in this space, that is the case what would you say has been kind of the most challenging part of starting a project and being a founder or perhaps things that you didn't necessarily expect to be an obstacle that ended up being more challenging than you originally thought?
1: Really the biggest thing is making sure that my team has, you know, offsetting, you know, skill sets that benefit me. Whereas like I might not be good at X, but they're fantastic at it. And so for myself, There's been a lot of things that, you know, from a technical standpoint that my CTO just excels at, whereas from an NFT and and Web3, like niche down perspective, my other founder is, you know, great at that. And so from my own point of view, you know, I have to juggle a lot of responsibilities and roles. And, you know, as as it goes on, I would prefer to, you know, hand off some of those responsibilities because I don't enjoy doing them. But, you know, in in the early stages of a startup, you have to just suck it up and you have to do everything or at least a lot of it. And you can outsource, you know, various things, but at the end of the day, like you just have to get it done. It doesn't matter how it gets done as long as it's, you know, in fair time. So you can move on to actually providing value to the end user. And so for me, it's just really been about balancing what needs to get done Like now, as far as the business side goes, and then also making sure that, you know, work is still being done for, you know, the next month, the next two months. Right. And so making sure that the business is operating in a way that can sustain itself and still continue to output production and and accomplishments and getting to where we need to be in the next three months where it's, you know, further down the line that, you know, I can still focus on it and let my rest of my team get there as well.
0: Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Kind of shifting gears here a little bit, what's your most controversial opinion about the NFT and crypto space? Like what would you say is your kind of hottest take about the space that perhaps most people don't necessarily agree with?
1: Well, so I guess it's I mean, whether it's controversial or not depends on who you ask. But personally I honestly don't care about flippers or, you know, generating profits and making money in the short term. And, you know, obviously that's why, I mean, like that is what makes crypto crypto in the first place, at least in the past. But I'd love to see it grow to be more than just, you know, some financialization of gambling and and making money, right? I see it as much more than that. And so all of the, you know, focus on flipping and, and making profits in a short term, I just don't really care for it. And so, honestly, as a project owner, and I felt this way beforehand anyways, if you're just here to make money in the short term, I understand why, but for the greater health and direction of the ecosystem, I would just love for that to be less of a focus. And I mean, the only way to, I guess, change that is to just really reward, you know, projects and individuals who are pushing the space in a direction that, you know, rewards innovation, rewards passion and, you know, authenticity, right? And not just getting engagement, making money, and then, you know, securing your bag and, and moving on. So I guess you know, just time will tell whether or not it, you know, eventually matures to that stage. But, you know, as of right now, I would just love for it to not be like that.
2: <laughs> nah, no, completely agree. Honestly, I feel like our transition to like a seller's market has been really, really healthy for the ecosystem because when everyone's buying and everyone's making money, you have all the greed but you don't have that much new capital kind of entering the ecosystem. I mean, I I suppose peak greed you do, but once things get bearish, that's when you start to see a lot more pressure on the founders to deliver far more, which is why I'm very grateful for this bear market and even recession coming up because it means that people are not going to be spending money willy-nilly on these very speculative NFT assets. And yet a lot of them are going to outperform most asset classes if they're building something truly useful. So the window of opportunity is genuinely incredible here. And kind of on that note, I wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on the current NFT market? What do you think the current trends mean for the ecosystem long-term?
1: Yeah, I mean, like from my own point of view, I really don't mint anymore. Um, I have a little bit recently, but mostly I focus on building and connecting with other projects. And so the overall market as a startup, right, Obviously, I've taken the money and, you know, made it more stable in a way that I can actually spend it. So personally, I'd love to see Seoul go down just so I can buy more, right? As both, you know, a personal investor and as a business owner, because we do operate in Seoul. So, I mean, I personally expect it to go down and it's really about figuring out how to continue to be operating in a bear market and survive, right? But I expect it to get quiet and people to kind of dip out and you know, that's, that's just how it's going to be. And, you know, maybe new people enter the space and, you know, hopefully, like I had said earlier, they're going to be more here for, you know, the technology, the innovation, the, the potential to go into a, into a space that is fantastic and everything's connected. And, you know, this hypothetical metaverse, not that I really believe in that in the short term, but a way where everything's connected and you know assets can be owned online that can be, you know, connected to multiple, you know, video games or or platforms or, you know, whatever. It just I love to see more emphasis on that. And I think this bear market over the next, you know, couple of years is really gonna allow, you know, the builders to build that out. We saw it last bear market, you know, everyone was quiet, no one cared about it. And honestly, like I was the same way, you know, I, I wasn't interested in developing in the space Um, but a lot of other people were and that's how you know Seoul got here towards the end of the bear market um, last time Um, and a lot of other cool stuff as well so I mean I'm really looking forward to just seeing what gets built and like what gets produced that actually is exciting to use and and I guess we'll just see what happens
2: so where do you hope to see this entire space go in the next like three to five years. And as consumers, as builders, what do you think would be the best way to kind of create that ideal future three to five years down the line?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously everything needs to be interconnected, right? You know, th- there's all of these chains that operate fantastically and they're all awesome and you know people love them, I guess. But I think the real value will be when they are you know, directly interoperable and, you know, my data can logically and be ported to the next chain, right? And so if there's a game or a platform on, you know, near or something or Ethereum, right, that data can be, you know, directly accessed and, you know, the asset can be moved to another chain or, you know, a representation of it, right? I'd love to see everything more interconnected is really what would be fantastic to see just because as of now, there's a lot of you know divisiveness and all of these different approaches and understandably so just because, you know, like Bitcoin or Ethereum or the other proof of work historically, although Ethereum is different now, but is more, you know, consumptive of power and, you know, electricity. And that might not be the most ideal. Whereas, you know, you have these other chains that are popping up that are more You know, advanced, they might have weaknesses in other areas, but, you know, they're more environmentally friendly. And that's something that I care about quite a bit. And I know a lot of other people do as well. So I think over the next three to five years, like balancing all of these things together and making it just more open for people to, you know, jump into the space who don't know about it and, you know, might care about, you know, the the costs of of, of using these platforms and systems.
2: So, When you say kind of the interconnectedness, interoperability of these different chains, I'm even thinking like, what about just Solana in general? Like, is there metadata associated with a phantom wallet or with a Solana wallet that can be updated? So for example, a bio or a Twitter link or whatever that can be linked to the wallet itself and not, for example, I have to link my wallet to Magic Eden and then Magic Eden allows me to link my Twitter profile and that whole little connection only exists on the Magic Eden website. Is there a way that we can make that more universal to the wallet itself?
1: Yeah, I mean, the wallet account it doesn't have you know space for that. But the way you would solve that is you would you would write a program that anyone can go to and access, probably you know via an application. And then from a backend side, you would write these separate accounts that store data, and you would chain them all together, and they could only be accessed and changed by you know the main wallet right and so that could be stored directly on chain you know the more that i've been building out a soul spot and i understand the limitations and the costs um but at the end of the day i'd love to figure out a way to make it cost effective and still directly on chain at least the core data and chained in a way that like you know bio and i, I mean i actually already had that for the main hackathon version and like I said, it was 0.06 Soul. So I guess it just depends on whether people want it to be stored on chain. But the other side of it too, what's beneficial about that is that if I, as SoulSpot, let's say we create, you know, this chain of information identity, right? Um, anyone who has access to the blockchain, so everyone can, you know, query that account and get that data directly. So that would also be a very interesting way to, you know, make that data interoperable across any platform and not have it be paywalled. Mm,
0: Very cool, very cool. I guess kind of just to close it out here and to echo some of the sentiments you were sharing about just kind of your overall thoughts in the market. I think when you boil it down. You know, the masses, you know, of the people who are not currently here, who are still in Web2 with skewed perceptions of what it means to buy an NFT and the value of that, and crypto, blockchain, all of that underlying technology, the masses are not going to start migrating here to the NFT and crypto space or even taking it seriously until we start to see a sort of paradigm shift of users. Here in Web3, priorities shifting from flipping and making money to building and creating value. And so our goal here as builders should really be to convince more people to join the space and help define that better future rather than just tapping into the current market share. And that seems to be one of SoulSpot's core goals, right? Not only enabling more interconnectedness and interoperability within Web3, but also making the user experience seamless enough that it's super easy for new people to jump in and get started. And that's one of the things I really admire about what you guys are building over there. And so I'm curious, what's the best piece of advice you could give somebody who wants to get into this space and specifically kind of wants to start their own NFT project?
1: Yeah. So for just getting into the space, it's really all about finding authenticity because there are a lot of bad actors who are selfish and they're only looking out for themselves. And that's unfortunately the way it is. And, you know, as an investor or someone trying to dive in, you need to be cautious of that. And so really finding a group of people or a community who actually believe in the direction and the positives of, you know, what Web three can bring to the world is probably the number one priority when you first get in. And it's not buying a token. It's not buying an NFT. It's about finding a space of people that can support you, you know, taking the leap into this world. And then from a project standpoint, you know, deciding to build your own product or project, right? Anyone can do it, but that doesn't mean you should. And so a lot of people dive in and, you know, it's all about selling, but why, like what's the reason for selling aside for making money. And so finding an answer to that question is probably, you know, the number one thing that anyone who's going to make a project should answer. And if it's just to make money or maybe even just to make a community, like there's already so many communities, unless you have something unique to offer, I guess, like why, um, and so that's not to say that every project has to be, you know, utility driven. It doesn't because that's what's cool about the space is that it can be anything you want. And as a creator, you can do whatever you want, but it's all about being creative in, you know, finding a unique way to approach something and then, you know, showing off why it's unique. Um, and so really, as a, as a project founder, it's the most important thing is to somehow have some unique value proposition whether it's some unique theme of art or maybe it's like an auto-updating NFT that changes daily based on the sun, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's unique and, you know, it's not just a run-of-the-mill thing. I think that's really what sets apart most projects now from being, you know, a cash grab or just, you know, a very default project as opposed to something that's novel and it doesn't have to be, you know... Super valuable per se, but at least unique and you know, pushing the boundaries of what you can do with this technology.
0: Mm. I really love that answer. And that actually closes it out on pretty much all the questions we had for you today, Loki. So thank you so, so much for joining us. You know, we talked about how you know yourself, your core team, and and SoulSpot has really these core missions of enabling self expression you know increasing transparency in the space breaking barriers into web3 for people who aren't just here but people who are interested in coming here and doing that all while maintaining this super customer-centric mindset and making it easy for people to use and, and operate in this space, really just benefiting the broader ecosystem positively in the long term. So it's been a real pleasure getting to hear from you. And we'll just end it off with any final words that you might
1: want to share with listeners before we close it out. I guess the last thing I, I would like to say is just like, I think just finding a unique way to, you know, dive into the space and, you know, help push it forward is the most important thing you don't have to have a hard skill. There's a lot of ways you can contribute, right? And, you know, whether that's just talking and being a friend to multiple people in some community or, you know, seeking out alpha for a project or building some unique tool or there's just multiple ways to go about it. But really just getting involved and, you know, finding a way to push the space forward is probably the number one goal for at least myself and a lot of people that I connect with. So if you do that and then, you know, connect with other like-minded people, I really think that's the best way, you know, to succeed in this space and then put yourself in a position to be better off in the future.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us and hope you have a good one.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I appreciate and have enjoyed our conversation.
0: All right, guys, that is all we had for you today. Make sure to follow Lowkey and SoulSpot on Twitter. That's at Low Key Galactic and at S-O-L-S-P-O-T underscore. If you'd like to keep up with us, we are at Web3ConnectX on Twitter. And if you'd like to see a specific guest on the podcast, shoot us a DM and we will try our best to get them on for you. Otherwise, we will see you next week.